hanging around here, the least of your concerns of catching something is coronavirus. Right. <laughs> that's, that's why I left the moto pants on. Yeah. <laughs> like three layers between me and you. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in cold and rainy Santa Cruz, California. Truth and advertising. Yep, yep. Hey everyone, this is Liza, and um, this show is going to be a little bit different than others. Uh, if you are you going to attempt to be serious, is that what you're trying to do? Well, you know what? I feel it's important to um, to acknowledge what's going on in the world right now and mm-hmm. how that's going to affect us as bikers and as a community um so uh, we're get, we have we have some things we're going to be talking about later we're actually going to be um talking to tamar yes uh, doc, dr detroit detroit in the his house who's going to be calling in and giving us some straight facts about uh what she's seeing out there mm-hmm. and, and the virus and, you know tamar's yeah. a straight shooter so mm-hmm. you know what we need to we need to just say we we don't often do this. Today is Sunday, March fifteenth, two thousand and twenty. Yep. And we are in the middle of the coronavirus. Well, outbreak. no, hang well, on. We're I'm actually pandemic. We're at the beginning. Pandemic. <laughs> the it, it the coronavirus is it's a very general term. The, it's COVID nineteen. Yes. So I just wanted to say that because this is also a sort of a diary of our lives. Oh, this sure. Podcast. We we, never, we rarely say the date. I don't want to date things, but I wanted to date this one so we remember this moment in time. It's like a hip hop song. There's always a date in a hip hop song. <laughs> it's not so typically. Biggie with, Smalls was big into that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> with me here in the studio, it's Knock. <laughs> What? That was your best intro ever. Hi. Just stop. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Running the board tonight. It's Bagel. Wash your hands, people. Exactly. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Open water. Twenty seconds. Yep. On the classy girl couch, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. And Miss Emma and her army will sort this mess out. <laughs> is it an army full of uh, hand sanitizer? It is! <laughs> and teepee! <laughs> yes! I thought there's an army of wee, wee men you have running around down there. Oh, the wee crabs! <laughs> oh, wee crabs, they, they'll eat it. <laughs> They're pinching at me. <laughs> Horribly. Like, like cleaning a fish tank. Yes, exactly. And uh, keeping all his clothes on. <laughs> it's a Naked Jim. Hey, what's happening? Be kind to each other. Fucked up world. And we actually have a special guest who just wrote in, is joining us. Uh, Tom, is it Medima? Medima. Medima. Tom Medima. Medima. Rhymes with Enema. <laughs> wow. wow. Just you wow. put that out there yourself. That, huh? You've listened but to But you'll show, remember now. Yeah. I was going to say rhymes with Miss Emma. Mm-hmm. Yes. That too. Now all I can think is Miss Emma rides with Enema. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Enema's wild ride. She likes to uh, root around your butt and get loose afterwards. <laughs> oh, no. Something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. so, um, it was a little bit different uh. day, I think. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Nobody showed up. That's what was different. Nobody showed up. Um, Emma and I were alone in the garage most of the day. I mean, um, a couple of these knuckleheads showed up just to check in and, and mm-hmm. hang out. But um, There was one bike that came by to do work. Later in the day, yeah. someone came by, much later in the day, but... 
for the most part of today i was really surprised i figured people still still show up i don't know if it's because of the uh pandemic or because of the rain the off and on rain but either way um it was a quiet day wasn't it yeah you know here's here's a i think a word that's going to come up more and more it's a little bit strange everything's a little strange out there it feels off doesn't it and that's the thing we really don't yet understand how this is going to affect us um but i I mean we are still today we're making plans about the quail yeah and then they just announced uh, no gatherings over 50 recommended for the next eight weeks and this is the cdc recommendation cdc Yeah. yeah which means the quail's not happening. It means my film festival probably isn't happening. Right. Um, and and uh, it means that, well, we're going to get a report later from Daytona Bike Week also, because that was in the middle of the festivities mm-hmm. that this came down, um, or as we're calling it, Corona Bike Week. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, what a weird th- three months to start 2020 off, huh? Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to... We're going to address all that um, later in the show because I wanted to return to normalcy for a second because we had Tom Book to come down before any of this sure. happened. And I, I honestly, I appreciate so much that you still didn't cancel your plans and came here. So yeah. I appreciate that because you've got an amazing story. I've been talking this up and saying I'm really excited to share the story, we've got a guest coming that I'm really excited to talk about. So, um, Tom, you are co-founder of Rally for Rangers, correct? That's right. Can you give us a synopsis of what that is? Yeah, their uh, Rally for Rangers began as a side-of-the-road idea in northern Mongolia in 2013. There was a retired park ranger, U.S. park ranger, by the name of Bob McIntosh. And Bob was over there doing some development work with the National Parks of Mongolia because they're a relatively new democracy. Their park system is new. And so they're leaning on U.S. national parks to, to, to learn. And as a retiree, Bob was working with an outfit over there um, to help them learn how to manage national parks as they're growing and people are coming more from Russia and from China. Their visitation is growing. Um, they need to know how to handle it. And so he was there helping them. And so he was working with the chief ranger there at the park and talking about about visitor use, about out of bounds camping, and about all these these issues that we deal with here and they deal with there. Hmm. And that ranger got a call um, <clears throat> to to jump on his motorbike and go deal with something that some visitor was doing wrong. And so he had to leave the meeting. He jumped on the bike, which was just an old Chinese you know piece of junk that they that's all they can afford, it's all they have, mm-hmm. and went to do a loop around off the road and went to into a berm, and the bike just fell apart. It just mm-hmm. he didn't didn't crash hard. He was embarrassed, but his motorcycle just literally just disintegrated. Mm-hmm. And this U.S. retired park ranger Bob McIntosh was so furious um, at the condition of their equipment that they just you know they had nothing to work with. And he said in that moment, seventy year old Bob McIntosh, he said, "I'm coming back here next year. I'm going to ride a motorcycle here from Ulaanbaatar, and I'm going to give it to you myself." Nice. Mm. And he was there with, with who turned out to be another co-founder of this effort, Wesley Thornberry, and the Mongol Ecology Center, which was the outfit that he's a board member of and is helping to, to do bark work there. And they kind of looked at each other and they were like, okay, I'm in. I'll do that. And they come back to the States and they start talking to people in the Bay Area, riders that they know, and people are like, shit, what? Yes. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. And I didn't know any of them. I knew nothing about it. Um, didn't even know they existed um, until... 
almost a year later when that rally was about to happen. It was May of 2014. I was in Yosemite National Park as a park ranger working up there. And the Mongolian delegation came to Yosemite to visit, to learn how we manage Yosemite. Mm -hmm. And during the course of that meeting, unbeknownst to me, um, they were already in the throes of planning this and it came up. And I said, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. Did you just say you're riding motorcycles to bring to park rangers in Mongolia? And I've been a a, a motorcycle rider for... 20 years at that time and in a park ranger for 25 and i was like you put those two things together like how can that be (laughs) and uh and they they were like yeah why do you ride and i said yeah i ride and they said well we just had somebody drop out would you like to go hey i said six weeks from now they said yeah and they said in mongolia i said yeah and i said how much is that going to cost and they said well you have to raise five thousand dollars in the next six weeks and so i went home and told my wife that she said you know pregnant pause you have to raise five thousand dollars okay good luck with that um and she said and the park's paying you to go no it's vacation time i have to take the time off um i've never ridden off road in my life oh I've ridden harley davidson mm-hmm. oh. bmw Perfect. and uh so <laughs> i i called my mom and she cried because um, she she was yeah well. yeah she was she just was certain that putin was going to get me oh no and <laughs> And then she called back about a half hour later and offered me 500 bucks wow. as part of that 5000 And uh, nice. then I started to cry. Wow. And, um, and that was the beginning of it. And so I just scrambled to raise money. I borrowed a friend's KLX. I rode for, I don't know, four or five hours on the, on the fire roads around Yosemite. I'm shit, I can do this. this <laughs> I'm all good. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Five weeks later, I uh, show up in Mongolia. I didn't know anybody, you know, except a couple people I met during that meeting. Mm-hmm. Met all the other riders, 15 of us, and um, within two hours of being off-road, we had a broken collarbone. <laughs> oh, wow. Not yeah. mine, thankfully, That's good. but I was right behind the guy who went topside Ooh. and broke his collarbone. Yikes. And I realized in that moment, that I was unprepared for where I was. <laughs> uh-huh. That was the oh shit moment. Yeah, yeah. And then the other oh shit moment was I didn't get travel insurance. Mm. And so I was gripped for the next 10 days. Oh just gripped. I sat in the back of the pack with um, with one of the, the tail rider who was a pro, just getting tips, getting tips, getting tips. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just so fatigued every day because then I just mm. calluses, blister. I mean, I was just because I was gripped, literally and figuratively gripped. Ooh, it was a trial by fire <laughs> for you, It huh? really was. I mean, first time crossing water, first time, you know, riding real off-road. Um, Far out. It was just gnarly. And if you've ridden Mongolia, you know that there's no roads there. It's what they what they call a road is nothing we would consider passable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google Maps might, but most of us wouldn't. Um <laughs> And but I learned and I learned and I learned day by day and I remember the moment that it clicked for me. Um, I've been alpine skiing my whole life since I was two years old, uh, racing, coaching, racing, but I'd never put those things together. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then I was starting to remember Bodie Miller and some of these they they rode motocross and did that sort of thing in the off season. Why is that? The skill set is hmm. directly transferable. Interesting. Mm. And I remember the day that I discovered weight transfer. Balance, inside mm. foot, outside foot, peg, oh, all wow. that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I know what boom. you're talking about because, like, Bettina was saying, point your toes where you're going, oh, and yeah. it does start to feel like that. It mm. does. And then, yeah. you know, we, the it moguls, absor- absorbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd never stood on a motorcycle before. Mm-hmm. I sat on a Harley and sat on a BMW Cruiser. You know, I only stood up to get off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning to stand while I'm riding at the same time. But then again, the absorption, um, the vision, the, the hands are out where your ski poles would be. Your legs are spread apart the same distance your skis would be. Your eyes are looking where they would be when you're skiing.
skiing and racing. I mean, it just all of a sudden, and I remember a particular left-hand turn on like the seventh day when I just nailed it, standing, turning, mm-hmm. um, and it just all of a sudden a new passion was born. Yeah. Like literally, I was, this is what I found I need to do somehow, some way. Um, on know, the seventh day, the, the dirt biker was born. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so we finished, and then, and then even with all of that amazement, nothing compares to standing in front of a park ranger from another country mm-hmm. and handing him a brand, well, relatively new. I dropped it a few times. <laughs> uh, AG200, Yamaha new, new AG200. New to them. Um, to do their job better. You know, I mean, they're crying, you're crying. Uh, 15 new motorcycles to these park rangers to get rid of that trash they had. You, and combat poaching, do their patrols, all the things they need to do. Like, that was the true epiphany of the trip. Well, there were so many epiphanies. You completed trip, a mission, man. Yeah, yeah, for that's sure. That's pretty cool. It was life-changing. Yeah. And, and, and then I sit here today as a co-founder of this thing now that's donated over 100 motorcycles in multiple countries, and it's just growing, growing, growing. So this has been going on since 2014. Yeah. And the thing I love is um, the rangers are using it, as you said, to combat poaching, like rhinos and elephants, but also like artifacts and... and World Heritage Sites. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, where we went in 2018 to the Altai Tavan Bogd National Park, which is on the border of China, Russia, and close to Kazakhstan, right up in that corner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a UNESCO World Heritage Site there that has 40,000 years of continuous recorded history in stone. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. And... and then you see a big piece of it that's been chiseled out and stolen by somebody. Yeah, yeah. And so they're poaching that. They're poaching Mm. our collective world history, you know, so they can hang it on a wall or sell it to somebody, whatever. Um, So so it's it's all of that. Water resources, um, some endangered fish, the largest trout species in the world, the tamen, if any of you are fly fishermen Mm -hmm. uh, or women. Um, largest trout species in the world is up there. So, yeah, a lot, lot more than just endangered species, but cultural antiquities as well. How and, many uh, square miles are these guys trying to patrol for the most part? I mean, that's th- a lot, right? Hundreds like, of thousands of hectares. The Dodger can give away seven motorcycles in a while. And we're all thinking, like, when you give away a bike, it's like someone saving elephants or rhinos, like Liza mentioned. But I bet they do a lot of other interesting things, like, like we talked about historical sites. What are some, like, what's one of the cool things that we well, you know, the, the ranger that stands out the most, um, and, and unfortunately, tragically now, is uh, mm. um, Zorig uh, was the ranger that I adopted in 2015, the second rally. Hmm. And Zorig is part of the Zatan culture, which is a nomadic rain herd, reindeer herding culture that lives in northern Mongolia near the Russian border. Um, their protected culture um, and their you know their their history is in um, herding reindeer, and they ride reindeer to patrol in the wintertime. Uh. I, I've never seen a reindeer saddled, mounted, and ridden. Um, but they. They uh, they are pretty hardcore people. I mean, this is southern Siberia, so I mean, it is yeah. just just rough, rough going, and uh, and they use them like mules. They use them for pack animals. They ride them, mm-hmm. um, and in Zorg just had one of the most challenging environments, you know, of of everybody. And I was supposed to go up and and visit with him and spend a couple of extra days alone with he and his family, and the weather wouldn't allow it, and and that really really bummed me out because I was going to take a horse. Um, by myself for about two days to get up to where they live. Hmm. But he came down by horseback um, over two days. And I know that because he was caring for me inside of his his deal, which is like a cloak, um, fermented reindeer milk. 
and I I couldn't pass pass on it. You, I would have been rude. <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, I was really nervous about drinking it, but he we couldn't speak to each other. But we shared this fermented reindeer milk inside the gear, the yurt um, there, and we had the most amazing personal moments of all the rangers that I've met. Um, he was just truly unique, special grateful they're all grateful but i mean he just was we had a connection Mm -hmm. um unlike a lot of the other rangers and and it was just super special and so that was that was remarkable and and so for him to be able to take that bike then back up um into that environment which is just so unbelievably difficult so challenging um and make his life so much easier um and then i say tragically because he passed away um Mm. earlier uh in the year uh, or early last year um he fell through the ice um of one of the lakes uh, oh no while while he was working and one of the threats that they have up there is the wintertime travel of all different kinds hmm. and so zorg passed away um and that just is it just a, it was a gutting event for everybody um but he was a remarkable human and it was really really something to bring him that and all those are those are moments i'll treasure of the whole thing for sure more than probably anything else well, typically the uh, the rallies are are nine ten days um, on the bike, and then we have typically two days with the rangers at the end. So mm. when we all arrive, um, they're waiting for us, and that's when I I cry in my helmet every year as you roll in, and they're all lined up, fifteen of them just standing there waiting for you in in formation. Yeah, and we come rolling up in front of our ranger, and you see him for the first time in the flesh, um, and they come and they give you a hug and. Uh, and then so you just share a little bit there, maybe some personal gifts. Uh, and then another special moment, maybe later that day or early the next day, is you clean the bike together. So you and your ranger get a get a bucket and a rag and um, you clean off the bike that you're passing from from you to them. And then we have a ceremony and you usually have local culture, music, dancing, whatever that happens to be. Uh, and then one by one at the ceremony, we come together in the center and we hand the keys in the motorcycle. We ride it out, step off, give them the key, give them a hug. They get on the bike and they ride it away. And one by one, we hand off the bikes that way each time. Yeah, nice. cool. That's awesome. It's, so, yeah. uh, Tom, meet Isaac. Isaac has just joined us. Isaac, how hey, are you? So, oh, good to meet you. Um, I, I missed Isaac, the beginning, but that sounds Tom really cool. Tom is with Rally for Rangers. They're rangers they go over to other countries like mongolia and they buy a bike and they ride across the country and then they present it to a ranger who gets to keep it to help prevent poaching and stuff oh that's amazing yeah i know wow so i, I have another question so your your twin gets to make this trip now we'll talk more about it but like is it something you get to adopt a guy like you look like you get to pick this guy or that guy how do you end up so that's the way it works in Mongolia. Mongolia is our core, and we go to Mongolia every year. Mm-hmm. We've been adding a second country each year now, but mm-hmm. Mongolia is our home base. My partner, Wesley, lives in Mongolia. He's, he's married to a Mongolian who, who has founded this Mongol Ecology Center. And so there it's one ranger and one bike. I, was, I think I was talking earlier about how in most places it's a motor pool. Um, but in Mongolia, it's one ranger and one bike. So that's the country where we actually learn who it is ahead of time. They put up... Um, 
the list and the photos and the bios of all the of all the rangers and then each rider who's volunteering with us um goes on there and and gets to pick um and usually there's only one or two women rangers and so if we have more than one or two women riders there's always a little bit of a tussle over who gets to donate woman to woman yeah um but yeah so then you can learn a little bit more about them get to know their background and they can get your background and even in this day and age as far and remote as they live you can stay connected on social media now too which Mm -hmm. is remarkable to me yeah that's cool yeah Oh yeah. Absolutely. And we've got, um, one of the stories we tell in the documentary is, uh, two of the bikes were burned by mm. poachers oh. two of the bikes up north they torched the garage that they were in they didn't uh, go shit. after the rangers they burned our bikes mm. and um and again is uh, it, that what does that tell you well they're threatened by those bikes yeah and how much do these bikes cost uh about five thousand dollars for the ag200 and this is where are they made uh, Yamaha, so they're made in Japan. Oh, so these are real bikes. Yeah, yeah, we buy Yamahas mostly. <laughs> yeah, the Yamaha AG200 is our bike of choice. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fascinating, wonderful tool ag bike, mm-hmm. um, fully enclosed, lubricating, self-lubricating chain, yep. tons of rack space, you know, low torque. Um, it's just something that they can really just bomb around on, strap everything they want to. You see some of the pictures of what they trick them out with. Mm-hmm. You know, yak wool seats and, you know, big, big hand covers because they're riding year-round, 30 yeah. below zero. They're yeah. out there on the bikes, you know, patrolling. Um, and this year, this last August when we went back, we went through two of the areas where we had previously donated bikes. And so we got to see the bikes. Mm-hmm. They came to see us. From bikes from 2014, the first year, bikes from 2015, the second year, and even bikes from 2017, the third year, along the way, because we passed all those parks, we got to see those bikes again. I got to see the bike that I brought. That's awesome. Um, you know, and yeah, it just is amazing to see them with just thousands and thousands of kilometers on them. You just wonder, you know, where they've been and what they've seen. And, and Did it know. remember you? Um, the bike always remembers. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, what countries have you guys been going to? So uh, uh, the side of Mongolia, we, uh, the first venture we did outside of Mongolia was Argentina in mm. 2018. We did Patagonia. And so we went from Rio Gallegos, uh, Argentina, down to Ushuaia, mm-hmm. and back up through Torres del Paine, Chile, uh, and across the border to uh, El Calafate and Los Glaciares National Park and donated the bikes there. Do you speak Spanish? Wee bit. <laughs> no. I try to pronu- to enunciate correctly um, <laughs> Spanish. But So that was a, a completely different ride. No camping. Um, yeah. No, you know, home cooked meals. It was steak, wine, um, mm. luxury. It, it was a much different rally for sure. <laughs> yeah. A lot of pavement, a lot of repio, and lots and lots of forty, fifty knot winds. Yeah, you know, it's just and on a on a two hundred. You know, uh, yeah. that was a, that was actually a beta beta yeah. Argentina oh. um, bike because the Yamahas we couldn't right. afford down there because of the import taxes and stuff. So, um, we, by the way, I, I should point out that we you know we do ask the Rangers what bike they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that we're going to we want to come and we want to ride a royal enfield a himalayan and we're going to bring that to you <laughs> um not that we could afford that anyway but what bike do they want and so nepal then was the was the second country we went to and that was just this past november and i thought that mongolia was the most challenging riding that i would ever experience no mm. nepal was oh 
Epic is overused, but <laughs> terrain, um, terrain, terrain issues, issues yeah. exposure issues, yeah. elevation. A uh, Yamaha yeah. Yamaha XTZ one twenty five carbureted at fifteen thousand yeah. feet. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, does okay. not one run. horsepower. <laughs> so I never envisioned myself pushing a motorcycle uphill at fifteen thousand feet through six inches or twelve inches of silt. Oh but man. A lot of us were doing that, especially yeah. the heavier riders. Um, there were a couple of uh, great riding women with us, and we'd be sitting there, you know, pushing, and they'd go like, "Me, um, you yeah. know, go riding right past us because they've, you know, the, the lighter weight gets the bike uphill." Yeah. But some we got so fed up. Um, a couple guys, they would come around, you know, and hit the bottom of this silt basin and drop the bike and just walk away. Were you there long enough to experience altitude sickness and everything? Or I did not experience. We were there long enough, definitely. Everybody, yeah. virtually everybody was on altitude medicine. Yeah. You know, the, the, the preemptive, whatever they call that. Um, uh, I didn't take it. Um, I've never had that problem working in the, in the mountains here um, in, in the U.S., but a lot of people took it. Nobody got seriously ill. Yeah. We had a lot of people with headaches and some mild nausea and things like that, but we spent several days in the Himalayas up mm. to uh, up to Lomantang and, and beyond. Um, and went up to the border with Tibet uh, at 15,000 feet you know, wow. with the bike. So, but yeah, the, the deep silt I've never ridden in. I've ridden sand, but uh, silt's a whole other animal. Yeah. In, in strong winds and, you know, thousand foot sheer drop offs on a one lane dirt track, <laughs> traffic going any which way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just was something I could never have imagined. I, at, at one point on these trips, do you go, holy shit, I'm actually doing this now? Like, I'm here all now. All the time. Yeah. No, all the time. I remember the, I remember the first year, the first rally the first time i cried in my helmet yeah um uh, from joy uh, I, I cried other times <laughs> sure but i'm riding in mongolia which i'd never been to asia before mm-hmm. let alone mongolia i didn't even know where it That's was super asia know. yeah and so and I, so i'm riding along and uh yeah yeah well done you are super asian a little bit okay um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but I but I remember riding, and all of a sudden, I I see some movement out of this out of my peripheral vision, and I mm-hmm. look to my left, and it's a herd of about forty horses. Oh, dude, hauling ass, Just wild ass, keeping horses. pace with me, and I'm riding, and, and of course, Mongolia is a horse based culture. Back mm-hmm. in the days of Genghis Khan, and that was just that's it's a ho- uh, motorcycles and horses, mm-hmm. and so and they're they weren't wild, but mm-hmm. they were unkept, right? And so they were running wild, and they were racing along with me, and I just was like, I'm I'm in Mongolia, I'm on a motorcycle. <laughs> There's horse. I mean, I just was like, it was one of those moments, and you yeah. have them on every rally. You're sure. like, how can I, how did I find myself here? That's awesome, dude. Um, and the, the moment for that in Nepal was actually up at 14,000 feet the day that we were heading back down and when it started to snow. Mm-hmm. And then there's silt and there's exposure mm-hmm. and there's fatigue and cold and snow. And in that moment, it was like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm responsible in some ways for these people. And we had we had already had one one rack and a broken hand on that trip, mm. and um, and so yeah that that one was. But you're still you're like I'm riding in the Himalayas. Like there's Annapurna. Yeah, I'm in the shadow of Annapurna. You know how does. How, yeah. how did this ever happen? I can't, I can't even, you know, I, I'm looking up on the wall here and, and I see the evil Knievel <laughs> shoes up on top. And that's how it started for me. Um, <laughs> when I was a little kid, uh, evil Knievel got me through thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, I didn't ride. My family didn't ride. I, we weren't allowed to ride. I don't want to overly excite you. But if you look down to your left, keep looking down, 
keep looking down. Let's look what's behind there. <gasps> does it does it have the van? No. With the jump attached to it? Not the van. Oh my god. But it is the stunt cycle oh, with action figure. I had yes, I had. Mm-hmm. I jumped it so much his head flew off. <laughs> uh, and I had the van and the, the ramp on the back yeah. and and uh, it's I, awesome. I don't have it anymore. Oh my god. Yeah, right there. So that I, even when I was five, mm-hmm. motorcycles just hooked me, yeah. but I never rode. I didn't yeah. own a motorcycle, hadn't ridden one until I was like 22, 23 years old. Um, but I just, I see that and, and, and then here I am in Mongolia and I'm on a dirt bike and I'm, I'm living that childhood dream, you know, yeah. and uh, you, you, those moments are, are just unfathomable. So is this a full-time job for you or are you still Oh, no, to... no, no, no. You have a um, jobby job. I do have a jobby job. Yeah, yeah a big, a, an important one, I think. And uh, yeah, no, I'm um, an associate director uh, in the National Park Service in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's so, kind of big time. Um, I'm responsible for policy that, that is over uh, all of the interpretive educational and volunteer programs for the national parks in the United so, States. Uh-oh. Jim, does that make him like your boss's 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 boss? <laughs> <laughs> national parks. Yes. Well, you know, BLM has a lot. Um, lots more than we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my... No, I've got a... a full-time day job i've worked in rocky mountain national park mount rainier fort vancouver national historic site 15 years in yosemite national Mm -hmm. park and Mm -hmm. was the chief of interpretation and education there and then 2016 my wife and i moved to dc to uh, to be uh an associate to be the associate director acting associate director um for that same thing so yeah so that's what i do by day and then the rally for rangers thing for all of us pretty much is just volunteer evenings and weekends and vacation time that's awesome. This so, is like cool cultural side work that you're doing, man. Yeah. Right. You know, that's super awesome. You know, it's what they, what, what I've gotten fond of saying is that it's not what I do for a living. Yeah. It's what I live to do. Yeah, yeah. Now, sure. you guys did a cool little thing, too. You had, looks like you had a film crew with you? We have had film crews. Mm-hmm. Um Every well, starting in the second year, and they've uh, they've progressed um, year to year, and so the last uh, four rallies, we have been joined by Fisher Creative, and mm. we had an incident back in June of 2018, and we lost our our projected film team like four weeks before we were to start the rally, oh. and we were just gutted. We didn't know what was going to happen, and. Um, just serendipitously, one of our previous riders was on a photo shoot with this company called Fisher Creative out of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and they were shooting a car commercial in Mongolia. Mm. And they crossed paths with our team, and they heard what happened, and they just said, we'll send somebody. And so just a few weeks later, they sent a single cameraman, um, Nick, who's amazing. He's, he just, he's filmed up on Everest and up in the Sierra. These guys are extreme kind of backcountry uh, film outfit. That's what they do. They do. They were on Everest this year during the big pileup up there. And mm. um, they're up filming snowmobile stuff with climb right now uh, up in Idaho. Um, and so they came that first year and, and filmed for us in just a one, one person with, with the drones and the camera stuff. Um, and then they sent uh, two people to Patagonia. We had a team uh, in Patagonia, then again in uh, Mongolia and then Nepal as well. And so they've captured four rallies now, which is which is what we're basing currently the documentary around or the, yeah. the last 
the last four rallies, and, and as well as telling the whole story. So there's definitely a surge in popularity of this thing that you're doing. I mean, people are knowing about it now. Or... It is starting to get out there. It's amazing when I go to like this weekend up at Adventure Days, mm-hmm. I would bet that maybe 10% of the people up there knew who we were. Mm-hmm. And so there's still a lot of work to be done. And again, because it's all evenings and weekends, like, yeah. you know, we still only have 1500 mm-hmm. followers on Instagram and, you know, a, a modest Facebook following. And, um, we still just get enough riders each year to go on the rallies. We don't have huge waiting lists. Um, but we will, uh, yeah. because Hopefully the more we'll people, more here. people hear about it, they're yeah. just like, what you can do this. Yeah. Like, so how are people going to hear about it? Because you have a Kickstarter and I want to give you an opportunity to talk <clears> about that. You have a Kickstarter to finish the documentary. That's right. Which will let so many people know about this. Yeah. And actually, you have a really well-edited trailer that's like five minutes. Yep, two that, of them. That explains, here's here's what's going on. That's right. So how, how do people find out more about that? Yeah, I mean, all people have to do right now is go to Kickstarter and just uh, search Rally for Rangers, and it'll pop up. We are in the final week or so of the campaign we set an initial goal of twenty five thousand dollars for post-production mm-hmm. so fisher creative has donated i don't know a hundred thousand plus dollars worth of value in what they've done uh, we've paid for their travel and in, in a modest stipend for each trip but i'm sure you guys know how much it costs to make a feature documentary it's pretty astounding and so they've contributed a ton um and so we're trying to get money to, to finish it um to get post-production work done and twenty five thousand is a bare minimum but on kickstarter a lot of people said "Ooh, that's a lot Twenty five thousand for your first ever Kickstarter, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, but we can't do it for less than that, so let's just go for it, you know? And so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and listened to some blogs and and did some research and I should have started six months ago, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. And um and yet here we are. Uh we hit our twenty five thousand dollar goal last week. Congrats. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. So it was unbelievable. The world's and gonna know about it, huh? So and now we've hit a stretch we've added a stretch goal to thirty thousand because the more we add uh the more minutes we can add the more stories we can tell um we'd love to blow it out of the water and you know double it but yeah um but then we're also looking for for feature sponsors and that's the other thing we we haven't hit a home run with yet like You're, you would think that there would be somebody out there who'd want to sign on um you know formally uh, no there's no one winning federal money in that i can <laughs> i can guarantee you that you ever thought about um, doing a web series on youtube or something like it maybe i'd be uh, you know yeah we've we've talked about this because it's fit for a docuseries yeah for sure you could do a piece on the animals you could do a piece you know, on the rangers you can yeah. do a piece mm-hmm. on each rally you yeah. can do a I'm, piece on the women you can do a piece on the, you know all sorts of different I'm, ways i'm to really surprised yamaha themselves aren't jumping on this because they're very very proactive with advertising and always have been and seeing as you're exclusively doing the ag Two hundred. What a thought! Yamaha is an obvious Yamaha choice. America. If you're listening, yeah. Well, I know that's a bone here. Listen to the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been trying. Um, lots and lots of phone calls. Lots and lots of unanswered emails. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where we have had support from Yamaha Japan, particularly on the 2015 rally. Uh, they sent um, one of their staff with us and, and bought nice. one or two of the bikes and helped out there. Um, Yamaha USA is a little bit less because we're not doing the rallies in the U.S. Right. It's a little bit harder sell mm-hmm. there. Um, but you'd think again. You know, I've been trying to, to catch this, uh, you know, hashtag uh, blue is the new green. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, for you I mean, it's a green effort. How many motorcycle environmental efforts out there out there? There aren't a ton. And we're the only one doing this for sure. Mm-hmm. And to use a bike 
and to sell a bike for the purpose of protecting this environment. Um, when so many people have the misconception that motorcycles are consumptive and destructive, um, they've they've not traveled, they've not been on them, um, and they they don't know the answer. Um, and so yeah, so we're we hope to to find that that feature sponsor as well. But this has been through, you know, fifty dollar donations, hundred dollar donations, five hundred dollar donations, and then our friends at Moscow Moto Climb sent a mm. Bluetooth. Um, lecky polls like we've gotten all these amazing donations of gear to put on as rewards on the Kickstarter so people have gotten some really cool stuff and then we're we're also added in some of our um, photographer we have uh, Phil Bond as our photographer the rally photographer so stills are also incredible mm-hmm. and so we've got his photo book available and then for the thousand dollar we've only had two people at the thousand dollar level but we're doing a personalized Mongolian scroll Hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's you can see it on the Kickstarter campaign. But um, and then one person at the five thousand dollar level, but you get a uh, an executive producer credit um, mm-hmm. at that level. And so we did have somebody jump in at that, and that's a game changer, you know, for us to get that kind of a donation for Kickstarter. So it is all levels from ten bucks, you know, on up. And uh, the more people that get on there in the next, you know, eight days um, to push that thing to thirty thousand and beyond, the better story we can tell, the more reach we have, and then we start you know putting it in film festivals like yours mm-hmm. and um in those around the country and, and around the world because there's a lot of incredible environmental film festivals motorcycle film festivals um oh, so many people anywhere. would be tickled by this i think and really want to support oh, it. oh I, I, I agree i want to let you know that um i went on there and we contributed today we did we did all right. right yes i haven't see i've been off the say. grid all day yeah, so i haven't even today. checked yet bless you i <laughs> jumped on that bandwagon yeah. <laughs> that's awesome thank you so the Instagram page is Rally for Rangers, and check it out. The, the pictures are wild. Here's you laughing, apparently nursing some Yes, that's hold, <laughs> holding her up after she crashed. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> the, the pictures look wild. The people look amazing. Yeah, what a great. The the obvious question is this: is beyond contributing, if in 2021, 2022, you want to do this, yeah, to Mongolia or any of the other destinations. You have to raise money to buy the bike. Yep. That's $5,000. I mean, what sort of what sort of money do you need to make a complete trip? And you can include the cost of the bike there. I mean, how much yep. does a basic and how long is the trip? Yeah. Well, to answer your first question, you could ride this year because we have one seat left for Mongolia September. Oh. We have one Ooh. seat left for oh. Bhutan. Yes. In November. Mm-hmm. You and managed to get it to Bhutan? We did. That's fucking hard. And they waived mm-hmm. the, the tour tourism thing. fee. Wow. Right. And uh, for, they're for, helping us import the bikes. They are wonderful. For those who don't know, Bhutan is incredibly difficult to get into as mm. a tourist or pretty much at all. Right. Wow. So this, yeah. this, as an American, if indeed it's an American who signs up, this may be your only opportunity within a lifetime to see Bhutan. Yeah, so, we're, we're just yeah. super blessed to be in there, and, and so that's exciting. So there's one spot left, one seat okay. left for Bhutan, and then we're looking at 12 months out from now, Peru, and June of 2021, we're hopeful for Mozambique, our first Africa. Ooh, oh, that would be something. Yep. And then Mongolia 2021 will be Gobi Desert. So, oh, and I know each trip is, there's going to be a different cost for each trip. So let's pick the Bhutan one. Yeah, we try to keep it consistent because okay, so we're, ha- we're not that smart. How much so do I need? $10,750. Does that include includes the, the motorcycle and all of your in-country costs? However, it excludes the flight. Correct. 
Yep. So depending, because people come from all over the world to do this. Yeah. We have riders from New Zealand, Australia, Canada. We had an, Isra- an Israeli join us, um, amazing rider from Isra- Israel, joined us in Nepal. And so they come from all over. So the costs are variable depending on where you're coming from. The other striking thing I noticed going through your Instagram page is how many women do this. Yeah, and a growing number of women as well. Um, it's it's awesome because there's well, we're a growing so def- demographic in motorcycling. In motorcycling, that's right. Jim. That's right. <laughs> and we actually have a person in common. So I don't know if you know, but I organized a global event this past year, uh, the Women Riders World Relay. Yes, I see the certificate up on the wall, mm-hmm. and I followed it online. And one of the riders who rode with us is Candice. Is that right? Yes. Uh, and I, I did know that because it was also Aaron Sills. Yes, and Aaron was and on those too. That's right. And so Candace, Candace is badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and, just put a short up on her uh, on Instagram. And we rode through Mojave, where you just rode. From. Oh, you did with yeah. the, on the on the, ra- yeah. on the relay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. isn't that weird? Like yes. the small yes. small circles kind of thing. And Aaron and Trev are going with us to Bhutan. Oh, oh cool, yeah. rad. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly right. So wait, you're gonna um, make make them ride a little bike? We are, <laughs> <laughs> and a little ag bike. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see how if they try to top line it. You know, yeah. and they're gonna be like, they're gonna race each other. They're gonna get gonna all the way up to 65k an hour. It's just gonna Tucking be in, terrifying. Just like um, yeah, yeah. So we're super stoked because um, they've been trying to come with us for a while now, all the way back from the very first rally. So that's that's exciting. And then just to quickly follow up on your question, you know, the other thing that's it's helpful at least you know we are a 501c3 in the u.s so all the donations are tax deductible and so people are like i can't afford 1070 750 well guess what you don't have to in most cases your family friends and strangers will afford it for you i raised money on i've raised money on this thousands and thousands every year to to help fund my travel um some from the same people somebody gave me 500 the first rally right a thousand the second rally 1500 the third rally when they see what you're doing and i was gonna say about it that's the difference People. It's such an easy sell yep. because of the end product um, and, and what you're actually providing. Yeah. Um, it is, I mean, it's a chunk of change, but I think it's doable. Yeah. I mean, for some people, you just put the fluffy snow leopard baby, um, you know, and then for some people, it's the motorcycle. For some people, it's the ranger. But it just tugs with everybody. So in some way, it tugs with everybody. And it tugs on the heart, and then it tugs on the wallet. And and so it just really is a model that just we just never expected we could be here five, six years this later. This is fantastic. And, you know, donated I, 120 bikes all over I, the world. I told you I was so excited about this because this is still – pretty new i mean it's you've nascent. only been doing it a it few is. years yeah 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 but it's not i'm gonna use the word novel it is novel i i mean i haven't heard of anyone doing this yeah you found a way to have an adventure of a lifetime and to do like really good things in the world that's right it's like uh, yeah it's a win-win yeah yeah now we owe it all to bob mcintosh man he that idea he had harebrained idea along the side of the road i mean that's how great ideas are born right yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, in, inspired sure. in the moment you know, yeah. for something that you see, and uh, and the way that it's catching on in the motorcycling world and in the environmental community, and uh, yeah, it's something. So I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. So r- real quick, you said you're riding Harley. You're riding cruisers. What that you, was that was what I was riding. Was what's yes. in your garage? I have an F800 GS in there the garage now. Yes, what so year? I, uh, it's a 2014. Nice. It's a great bike. It's a great bike, and I didn't have one um, for so the, uh, for at least three or four of these years. When I when I rode the first rally, I didn't have a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and so the only bikes I was riding were for two weeks in Mongolia. Mm. I wasn't riding in the states. Oh, I rode two weeks a year in Mongolia. 
because I didn't have my own bike. So this was like definitely a wild hair up your ass kind of thing. Yeah, like, I'm just going to sure. do this. Screw yep, it. Like, absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, in yeah, line yeah. with the That's, logs. That was a that was a bridge. That was a proper bridge. <laughs> you had your feet um, down the whole time, yeah? No, no. Um, and then there's the suspension bridges in Nepal, which are 2,000 feet up. You know yeah. those yeah. those trekking bridges and all of that. So, um, yeah, Did you take a motorcycle across a suspension bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah, F- five at a time. Bagel and I have done the bridges in Pakistan, but Bagel trumped me because on his they had a concrete truck broke the bridge oh. and it was suspended by just one line, and oh, they still yeah. carried. Their, their scooters across. Well, we we, mm. we we kind of pushed them over the what was left of the bridge, and then we still had to do a water crossing. <laughs> and trying to do a water crossing with eight-inch wheels is really tough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's nasty. Especially yeah. when your entire motor's underwater. Pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did you well, have a little, like, kind of scooter snorkel? No, no. I mean, it's sealed on the bottom, but it just... Uh, yeah, it just it didn't That's work hilarious. Well. Well, one of the One of the stories from 2015, what we call the Island of Despair... Yeah. Um, we were we were climbing up over a pass, Jigleg Pass, and we got to a river that had swollen. It had been raining for days, mm-hmm. and we got. And they weren't sure, and we got to the river, and sure enough, it was way too swollen to pass. There was no way to get across it, and so we sat for a minute trying to figure out what to do. And in the time that we sat for a moment figuring out what to do, we lost our exit route to, to water as well. Oh, mm. so we were on a patch of ground that was maybe as big as a football field. Oh, for dang. two and a half days, we set up. We set up camp. We hunkered down, and we just waited for somebody, Did some you of the rangers, to come. An arc? Um, we were waiting for the U.S. vans to show up. Those Russian U.S. vans—they look like toasters, yeah. Yeah. green and gray toasters—and mm-hmm. um, and eventually they came, and the water receded a little bit. But yeah, we just we ran, we got. We ran out of things to do. I could have um, been really bad because that little patch of land could have been flooded. Yeah. Right? Could have been. It was yeah, a fairly yeah. high patch of land, so it yeah, wasn't okay. it really wasn't at risk. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. But uh, but it was it was something that all of us still talk about. And then they then <laughs> they got awesome. the U.S. vans across, and they actually then the Mongolian Rangers literally carried the bikes across, and then they put some in the back of the U.S. and we got them across, and we kept going. Wow. But the eye of the island of despair. Everybody talks about that. This last year, it's the ferry. We showed up. Um, the ferry captain didn't show up, mm. and so it's it's just a uh, a water force ferry. I don't know what you call that, but you use the the current to get across. And we're like, we can figure this out. We don't need the ferry captain. So we put six <laughs> bikes on the ferry, um, and we get it unhooked. And sure enough, it starts to flow across. It's a little bit difficult because they're not able to navigate. And one of our guys, former Navy, and we're like, dude, you can't figure this out. <laughs> um, and then uh, we got halfway across. And realized that the ferry was locked underwater to a cable, so you couldn't steal the ferry. Ah. So then they had to navigate back. We spent a couple hours trying to pick the lock, unsuccessfully, finally set up camp. Ferry captain showed up the next day. So what we tell everybody on every rally is adaptability, flexibility, shit's going to go wrong, and and you have to go with it. And bolt cutters. (laughs) Big ones. Yeah. Exactly. So remind people how they find out more about this. Yeah, well, we are at uh, rallyforrangers.org. Mm-hmm. That's the easy way. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook at Rally for Rangers. We are on Instagram at Rally for Rangers. We are on YouTube at Rally for Rangers. And right now, before you go to any of those places, you go to Kickstarter and you search Rally for Rangers and you take a look at the five minute 
uh, women's mm-hmm. edit that we have up there. You cry with them, and <laughs> then you make some kind of donation, any kind you want. There's amazing rewards up there still, and um, we would love to have to try and push that number back up over, up over thirty thousand. All right, Hell just yeah. to be straight, so you can help support the 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 documentary. You can join a trip. Yep. Can you also help sponsor? A rider sponsor another rider by mm-hmm. donating absolutely mm-hmm. um you can spread the word we were as we've talked about so many people still don't know about us tell other people tell your friends tag them on our you know instagram and like that we just need to this continue to grow because then more people find out about it we get more riders signed up we get more motorcycles to more rangers more mm-hmm. people have a great time it just there's nothing bad about getting bigger well yeah um and so those all of those things are what people can do it's not just about donating money um it's not just about joining as a rider and again anybody can join as a rider you just need three things you need the ability to raise the money to do it you need to be able to take the time off of work because it's a minimum of two weeks off of work and you need the chops to be able to ride wow. you know mongolia and elsewhere because we've we've got to check people out and so fortunately now every day is everybody has video so we can watch you ride um because early on it was hard to know we didn't do that yeah. and we had a couple of situations where you've got somebody over there like i was one of them i should never have been invited on that first rally <laughs> thank god i was um but you know we got it we got to check the quals because it's dangerous and we've broken bones on almost every rally and um that's a selling point (laughs) hardy souls only that's right that's right and uh maybe not almost every rally but enough to to you know again be mindful when you're riding a motorcycle in this kind of conditions um things happen and um and it's it's an amazing adventure it's incredibly rewarding um and uh, we want more and more people to get involved. Well, the good news is within the next 24 hours, a few thousand people are going to hear this message. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully a little yeah. step further. Yep, yep. That's right. Well, imagine, imagine if every one of those just did $5 on Kickstarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yep. Yep. That's a lot. Tell them we sent you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, That's and right. there's some good perks in there, too. There are some it's not, good perks. It's not that hard to make a Kickstarter account. Yeah. Right. No, and you can do it as a guest. Takes you don't like, even have to like formally sign up. You, can, you know, I'd rather you I do it. I think that's what stops a lot of people from donating. They're like, I don't want to yeah, make another I don't account. Give away my, I yeah, know, if you can I do it as a guest, that's yeah. absolutely easy. And then if you don't want to, you can go to rallyforrangers.org and just straight up donate through PayPal and just say, please put towards Kickstarter. And we would take that too. Cool. You take it all. And if you see me on the street, you can hand me a 20. I take that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up, in, uh, up at the Adventure Days, and yeah. I want to give a shout out to Rawhide because yep. they hosted us. They comped us. Mm-hmm. Um, they donated uh, two adventure weekends, $1,000 each, nice. um, that we got rid of on the Kickstarter quickly. Um, and then last night, they let me uh, raffle off a bottle of Mongolian vodka that I brought back. <laughs> nice. Ooh. And um, hundreds of dollars uh, came in um, with the Mongolian vodka. So that's a wow. the thing about the Mongolian vodka is that if you manage to finish a rally without your bike hitting the ground... You get a bottle of Mongolian, and nobody's got one yet. There have been a few. There have been a few. Um, Each year, there's typically at least one. Nice. Um, I don't know that we've had any rallies that had zero, uh, Hmm. but we've never had more. I don't think than three. Um, So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. We had one in Nepal, and that was my partner Wesley. He did not go. He was the only one Hmm. who didn't go down in Nepal. 
So anyway, the Mongolian vodka is something special too. And it's there every day, all day while you're riding. And we have to avoid it like the plague. Sorry mm. to, to make that <laughs> analogy today. Um, but I mean, that is a ubiquitous drink over there uh, for ceremony, for meals, for lunch, for dinner, for after dinner. Yeah. It is the traditional drink. And so you find yourself, I find myself sticking my finger in it and, and kind of offering it to the four winds, which is one <laughs> of the ways that you can get away with not having to, to take a shot mm. while you're riding. Because they'll meet you at, at the entrance to every park. It doesn't matter if it's 9 a.m. or 4 in the afternoon, there's vodka and, and you know, silver bowls to drink it out of. And um, so thankfully, there's nice. a way that you can honor it yeah. without actually having to ingest it, yeah. um, although nice. we ingest plenty of it over the course of two weeks. Well, What's I, it distilled from? Uh, yak milk, some of it. Wow. I was literally going to make a joke about that. I was like, no, there is it's not made. It's definitely made from like potatoes yeah. or something. Uh, milk vodka. I was going to say horse um, milk, but... Yeah, from, fermented mare's milk. Yeah, didn't fermented you and Charlie uh, drink drink like a you like bet. milk beer and yeah. the testicles too? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that one. Yep. Yeah, they were yep. wimps about that. That looks great. Yes. <laughs> well, Tom, I wanted to thank you for, again for coming here. Um, we always appreciate when people come and be in person. It's, I think it, it's a much better show. And you oh, can for sure. See what we're doing here. And as you said, you were in Mojave at an event, and then you still got to get up to San Francisco. Today. Indeed. I've, and I have thought out. I feel pretty warm feel and toasty right now. Yeah, so, you showed up a little uh, like looking was, like a ghost. <laughs> I almost fell off the bike. Sorry. <laughs> but it was like nine oh. hours in cold rain. Wow. Can you mention what you were riding um, today? Today I was on the Africa Twin. Twinny! Yes. Lowrider Africa Twin. <laughs> From no. our, my friend Wolfgang at W. Give them a yeah, shout out. Yeah. Amazing people up there in San Francisco. And so I get a bike from him every time I Please come out. Great. And this is the first time I've been on the Twin. And I love it. It sounds badass. Yeah. Is it as tall as Shout Rises? out to Gwen at no, W. No, no I can sit flat footed. I love it. Because my GS is way up high. And that thing is low ride. I like yeah, it. It's why, why is yours so tall? Because I'm big. But how, did you change the It's the tallest no. bike I've ever sat I know. on. It's, it's insane. It's like it's a, a 40 inch seat height. <laughs> so um, I wanted to give you an opportunity. You're welcome to stay with us if you want, Thank or you. if you want to hit the road and get up to San Francisco. I think I need to. Yeah, um, I, my I body's still on East Coast time. I'm mm. three hours, and I don't want to be sleepy on the bike. Be yeah. safe. Yeah, I would love to hang out with you, though. Mm-hmm. I need to come back here and uh, and yeah. just hang over in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. So. Yeah, please do. You have an uh, open invite. Um, um, thank you. But yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, rallyforrangers.org. That's right. You guys are doing awesome stuff, and um, I already put a link to the Kickstarter. Awesome. And Thanks the, for contributing. Yeah, no I problem. I look forward to one or more of you joining us on a rally in the yeah. Yeah, sure, future. Man. It's nice. very tempting. So, thank you all. Well, good. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Now, can, are you gonna leave? Do you want to? Take no, him out? I'm staying. I'm sticking around for a can little bit. Can you take him out? Yeah. Do you want to show gonna, him the? Yeah, I'm gonna keep rolling because we're gonna get into Tamar. So go ahead and let him. Okay. Cool. Um, his, oh, he's, real, he's in the garage. He's in the tent. He's in the tent. Be oh, okay. Real, real uh, careful on 17. There is stuff in the garage. Yes. Okay. So you have to get the yeah. Do we need to unlock the garage? Um, Highway 17 is. What's wrong with 17? It's just a. Like, it's generally it's, it's wet. <laughs> scary road if you haven't done it before, and it's wet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's there's a lot great. of chippies out right now. I just came over yes. it. Yeah. We can. Yes. So. Great to meet you, Tom. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you guys so much. So generous. And also, there's like an 80% chance there will be a crash. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Great work. That was fun. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad I came in today. Yeah. I'll send you a link to share. How long usually before you put it out? Tonight. Oh, great. It's going to happen tonight. Yeah, it's, so follow not. The, the joke is our show is the favorite Monday morning commute for a lot of people. Yes, yes. In Yeah, and I'm going to add that to the list. 
Is that what it says? Yeah. That's not a joke. That's just accurate. Yeah. Ooh, can I come on the pretty girl couch? Of course you can. Come and sit with me on the couch, darling. Oh, yeah. Wait, is it is it safe to be sharing mics these days? Uh, <laughs> Have we disinfected these mics? I don't like it. <laughs> So, you guys, oh, my I did. I on the did, East Coast. I can't kill them from here. Did, did I not tell you how cool that was? That was so fucking cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? That was the. I'm so glad I came tonight. That was so cool. Nice. So, um, the horses are chill with motorcycles there. Isaac, since yes. you just got here, you don't know what we're about to talk about. Nope. But um, we're about to talk about the virus, actually, and we're going to have a, oh. a doctor calling in who's going to give us some actual facts and answer questions. Sweet. We're being responsible. But, awesome. Because we're like that. Um, but before we do that, um, I wanted to say, um, you know, we still don't know the certainty of any events that are going to if they're going to happen or not. But there's a big event coming up that, as far as we know, it is still happening. So I just want to remind everyone that the Rolling to Remember ride for for veterans is is happening in Washington D.C. It's the 2020 ride will also address the national suicide epidemic, taking the lives of more than 20 military veterans a day. In close partnership with several other patriotic organizations. AMVETS is organizing what is expected to be the nation's largest political demonstration of 2020 and the world's largest one-day motorcycle event. AMVETS invites you to join them in ensuring that our elected leaders never forget the sacrifices made by those who've taken an oath to defend this nation. The event is free to the public, but sign up to ride, volunteer, or donate by going to rollingtoremember.com. Over the course of that weekend, scheduled events will include a blessing of the bikes at the Washington National Cathedral, candlelight vigil at the Vietnam Wall, and speaking engagement at the Lincoln Steps. Sunday morning, thousands of bikes will take off from the Pentagon parking lot and make their way around the National Mall, rounding the Capitol building in the process. So go to rollingtoremember.com. This is at the end of May. We are hoping that this event will still happen because this is a big deal. So I just want to remind everyone, you know, plan as if until you hear otherwise. So rollingtoremember.com and uh, join AMBITS and help them in that. So I mentioned that I wanted to, um, I wanted to, like I said, be responsible. I don't want to just ignore what is happening and just press the buttons on the fart machine. I want to address this because this is an important thing happening in our lives right now um this uh covid19 i mean we really don't know what the future holds for us and every day things are changing um like i said just today we found out any gatherings over 50 people for the next eight weeks the cdc is recommending you cancel them that's the quail, that's the film festival, that's a lot of different events because this is spring. This is when people have these events. So I wanted to get some actual facts and and get a, an inside source, and we happen to have one. So our um, past guest, Tamar, who we call Dr. Detroit, mm-hmm. she's on standby right now. She's uh, working in a hospital in Arizona. So I'm going to give her a call, and let's get some some 
facts. Yeah, people are in the front lines. Remember, we were talking about gear and what she sees in the ER, and here we are again with the Kmart. <laughs> the front lines. Hey, what's up? Hey, Tamar. How are you? I'm Am good. I'm on right now. You are on right now, and we've got Bagel and Emma and Isaac. Hey, and Tamar. Jim. Hey, Tamar. Hey, I'm going to step out of patient care area right now. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello darling. Oh, you're actually <laughs> on right now. Hey, wow. so I'm stepping outside right now. I was trying to be real quick and do some quick, uh, quick stuff. So what's going on? Let me know if it's too loud outside for you. Uh, that sounds fine. So I think okay. we're going to like the ones that check in on is, is what's the skinny? What's going on out there? We hear so much on the news about, you know, this, that, and the other thing, but you're in the thick of it. What's the latest? Uh, the latest, um, it's probably been updated since I've been at work. I'm on like a 12-hour shift right now. So, uh, the latest part, like I said, has probably been, um, updated. So, like, if you have questions, I'll be better off, like, if you have direct questions, answering questions for you. Okay, well. Uh, my update is people need to chill out <laughs> yeah. with the hoarding and panicking, but what questions do you guys have? Well, I guess I'd start like today, you know, they're talking about Weird, trending, bro. Uh, trending the same way it did in, um, in Europe. Are they, are they seeing things, you know, basically trend the same way they have in Europe and Italy and places like that? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in a remote area, so I haven't seen anything, but uh, I know that people are testing positive uh, for, I call it the C word now, uh, <laughs> right. other places. Um, the thing is, is it, it's really an unknown. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a hoax. It's not just a simple strain of influenza. It's the coronavirus, yes. Like when people look at the Lysol sprays, it says, oh, that covers human corona. Keyword, human coronavirus. Um, coronavirus is one of the uh, just common viruses that cause the common cold. And, you know, if people have been following the news or actual real data, you know, it's a mutated form from the animal kingdom that crossed over to humans. So basically keeping it real, like we don't kind of know. Data is coming in, like when I say almost hourly, daily, as far as to what's going on. We know it's virulent, which means it's, uh, it's, it's really, really bad when it hits the senior population. Most of our data as far as guiding towards treatment or what we can do is coming out of China and now Italy. Um, the concerns in the healthcare industry is around this time of year, hospitals are functioning at capacity. This is flu season, a lot of mm -hmm. respiratory illnesses. This is about to change over to spring where asthmatic starts flaring up people with respiratory illnesses. So. I don't know if you guys know, in this country, um, our hospitals been, are, have been functioning at capacity for a while. A lot of ER overcrowding. Mm. If you've ever been to an ER, you know, sometimes you might wait two or three hours. You've probably heard about bad stories on the news. So the concerns um, with this is getting everything in control because if it spikes too high, too suddenly, our hospitals will be at capacity. And yes, 
we will have to see things like that in Italy, like, you know, with the senior, like, deciding who can go on events, like, far as respiratory or ICU beds. Um, mm. What I can tell you is I was a resident when um, the influenza strain H1N1 hit. Mm. Yep. And I recall taking care of a lot of severely ill patients, um, especially young patients with uh, pneumonia, not just a simple pneumonia where they had, you know, basically called multifocular or bilateral pneumonia, both lungs. And I remember the hospital being at capacity to the point where there's people on, well, people call it respirators, ventilators, you know, the breathing machine that were being held in the ER, you know, because there were no beds in the ICU. But I was fortunate enough to be at a facility where they had enough staffing at that time where they could send the nurses down and they would uh, order the ICU docs or residents to manage the patients in the ER. But that also still took up space in the ER. So right now there's a lot of unknowns. It's still, yes, the hand washing. I didn't realize that many people didn't know that they needed to wash their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like anything, you cough, you sneeze, uh, upper respiratory viruses spread through droplets, um, which is, you know, stuff you can't see when you sneeze. Um, the unknown part about this is now people are getting infected or testing positive that have had no contact with anyone with international travel. Hmm. So, like, as far as the ER standpoint, nurses like we're not scared or anything. Is do we we don't we don't have the space or capacity if there is a high surge in people infected. Right. You know, it will overload um, the hospital. And uh, also, we do not have enough masks and gowns. There's a national shortage. I, like I said, I'm fortunate enough to be in the isolated area. I love where I work. I'm not stressed, but I actually kind of cried a little bit the other day because we are getting prepped. We have limited resources anyway based on where I'm at. This makes me told that I would need to reuse gowns and masks because we don't mm, have enough. Geez. The testing stuff and less stuff changed today. Just anybody, you can't go get tested if you have symptoms. You have to meet strict criteria. And then it still needs to be approved by the health department. So you can't just roll up, I got the sniffles and I want to get tested. Yeah, so, yeah, and and, and I want to social isolation is what they're everybody's advising because of one out of other countries when they social did the social isolation, uh, they're still having infections, still having deaths, but a decrease in the amount mm-hmm. of people are socially isolated and. Um, People review history with like the Spanish flu and all that stuff. You know, there were certain communities that isolated themselves, and I don't even think they had anyone infected. Yeah, and people, you know, running around hoarding stuff. I don't even get the hoarding stuff. People acting like it's a zombie apocalypse or something. Yeah, and um, and Tamar, I wanted like, to uh, just uh, 
reiterate what you were saying earlier about how this is really about containing the spread and slowing the spread so that it, we don't have that spike. Um, I think it was the Washington Post just put out a, uh, a, a an article that uh, I think is not behind their paywall, thankfully, that has a number of graphs that show uh, – the I guess the amount of cases that can build up very quickly yep. with the, if the spread is not contained, and and so the what we're dealing with is really a a running up against the limits of our resources in terms of healthcare to deal, to deal with this, um, and also another factor to keep in mind is that if the if the virus spreads faster and and. You know, and, and to more people uh, more quickly, that's also going to affect healthcare professionals too. So then that was going to even reduce the capacity that we have available now. So, uh, and also you re- reduce your staff capacity too. Exactly. If you're a physician or in a healthcare facility, basically, if you get the sniffles and you've been in contact, they want you out. Okay. You, you got to understand um, nurses are stressed out anyway, they're, uh, hospitals are understaffed. Nurses are underappreciated, and I'm I'm at the ER position. I'm on the front line, but the nurses are there on the front line, front line, because they're doing the most interactions with the patients. So Mm. people are being told and trust. There's people saying, hey, they got to go home and be quarantined. One, they're losing out money. Not everybody has the funds. I don't think disability insurance covers that. Two, now you're down more nurses at a spot that you might have been already short staffed. So I have a question for you. <clears throat> Today, the CDC released a recommendation of no gatherings uh, for over 50 people for the next eight weeks. That's the first time I've heard eight weeks. From the best of your knowledge and everything you're hearing, what is your prediction for the amount of time everything is really going to be impacted? How long are our, do you think our lives will be changed? That right there is an unknown fact. It could be a couple of months. Um, if the thing is, is that it, the spread is so, you know, fast, and now there's people that are asymptomatic, but are, you know, if they get to, somehow, you know, some places are getting tested or positive. So we don't know. We don't know when this is a new strain. So there's no one, you know, the data isn't there for people to start studying. There's people. You know, it's a whole field called virology where they study stuff. I mean, think about how long it took for them to get medications, the proper medications for HIV, which is a virus, which is an RNA virus, which is the same thing as like influenza or corona. Those viruses mutate and change. That's why there's different, you know, a flu shot for the strain for last year. So it's honestly right now, it is a complete, to be honest, I'm not going to, you know, joke or lie. There is an unknown because the information is not out there. And until we're able to possibly test like other countries to get those numbers in, it's a guessing game, honestly. So mm. I didn't know it was eight weeks now for gathering. Yeah. Um, it's droplets. We don't know how small these droplets are in microns, you know, how long it's on the surface. People are throwing guesstimates off of different viruses like the flu because this is something new. There's no one that other than possibly China, like if they're working 24 hours in a lab really studying this. And, you know, corners are being cut. Like, if someone pops up with a vaccine, it takes a long time in human trials to get a vaccine. So my concern, you know, from the science part is cutting corners 
to do do what you know to try to get stuff out there. So another another thing, people sorry, people are speculating. You just said we we. We can't really know for sure, but people are speculating that, like the flu, this may recede a bit in the summer. Um, are you seeing any reports that this doesn't respond well to warm weather? Wouldn't know because the thing is, uh, it's winter time in other places. Let's see, it's winter time. It's summertime in Australia right mm-hmm. now. So I haven't checked on the temps right now and i know they're still having cheese okay so I, i'm on the, like a seven day stretch i think of 12 hour shift so this damn so i don't know the information from all that but most viruses are heat sensitive like the flu dies off towards when the warmer months you still i still see positive cases a lot of people don't test but i'm the type of doctor that i will stuff because i'm like it's not a summer cold it looks like flu boom influenza A or influenza B. Yes, there's a high probability that it will die down, but there still probably will be cases. And then like any flu, like or any virus, it will probably mutate and be a different strain that pops up in the fall time. So, Tamar, I had a question. So we would like to get this contained and get the, you know, level down, get the data in maybe, you know, a couple of months you know, that we might still see this. Um, but social isolation is what everybody that I'm seeing is advocating. So, Tamar, um, South Korea has their what they've been lauded for is the aggressive level of testing, like putting out tens of thousands of tests um, as quickly as possible and and getting a (laughs) what she's laughing. Yeah. And getting well, you basically using testing to get a clear picture of the spread. Um, Do you have any information on why there's. It's just why the U.S. has been so slow to develop a possible <laughs> test. I imagine you're as frustrated about that, if not more than me. Home of the brave, you know, land of the free, acting like little, you know, bitches running around. Like, we supposed to be the home of the brave. We were all arrogant and posting memes, like whatever and stuff. You know, people saying it was a hoax and a conspiracy and all that stuff. And I'm like, it's not a hoax now. You know, I've been following this since before London. Have you noticed in London? I didn't do any touristy stuff. Mm. One, because it was flu season. Two, I didn't know what was going on. So I've been following this for a while. Why do we not have this? I don't know because... You're not even allowed to test the person through the ER because we are limited with the test. And that just so seems ridiculous. dispense a certain amount of tests. So I don't know why we don't have enough. I know why we don't have enough gowns and masks. Cause guess what? They're made in China. So this shows us how to on China. I'm laughing because it's funny, but not funny. Yeah. So why don't we have tests? I have no clue as to what's going on. Do you? I chuckle because everything changes. And you, yeah, I'm finding out from y'all right now about the eight feet no contact. I even threw something out like, hey, I got a motorcycle event. And he was like, stay away from people. 
you know, <laughs> uh, one of the doc's videos I'm going to uh, post up on my page public because uh, his name is Dr. Adam Walsh, uh, actually one mm-hmm. of my attendings um, as far as training for residency has been doing live Q&As, just not medical terminology or anything where he has people, just common people typing in, asking questions. Yeah, he's got very good info. Do you know who designs, like, who makes the tests? Is that up to private laboratories? Does the, Can the CDC have a hand in it? laboratories that are doing it. It's a couple of universities that they're uh, basically halfway, you know, people, we're going to try to get our own test. You know, something that's a little bit, uh, results come in a little sooner as opposed to waiting three or four days or whatnot. Like, people are really hustling in the labs right now trying to do what they can. But... So a lot of unknowns. It's like this is like it's just like a mutant thing. As long as I don't see anyone and they trying to bite me, I'm good. Because <laughs> I think I I think a lot of the a lot of some of the fear at least could be alleviated just by a greater sense of what the hell is going on, and that will come with more testing. But like personally, I'm not worried about myself physically. Um, like this is an H1N1 that kind of weirdly disproportionately affected young healthy people. Like. I'm going to be fine if I get it, but I'm worried about like affecting other people. If I'm asymptomatic and spreading it, that's horrific. But you have to worry because you could get it. You could give it to me. Exactly. And I live next door to my dad. Exactly. Who is not in a, yeah. fit, uh, doesn't have good health. And I'm just now kind of realizing my dad may not be coming out of his house for the rest of the year. Yeah. So that's what that's what well, I'm saying. I'm not concerned for my own health, but my grandmother can't even yeah. get vaccines cuz she react she like her she's immunocompromised. So like yeah. I'm at thankfully she lives on the East Coast and there's like in the woods so nobody's there, but I called her and I was like, "Hey, you aren't going to leave the house right. for a while, correct?" And she's like, "Yeah, like with my grandma, I heard you were going I was like, I heard you were trying to go on a grocery shopping adventure." I wasn't concerned about her that much, but I was like, I was concerned about her going to the grocery store with people acting like idiots. So this is exactly. a nine round right. to collectively, we need to protect our seniors. I mean, think yeah. we have a large elderly population because the boomers are still out skydiving and doing all types of stuff. Sure. But they also have health concerns. And it's not just the elderly, it's people that are young that might have a heart condition or a respiratory condition or not the best immune system. And from my understanding, what I saw, there's a couple of cases of people that have been young. So you don't know what the viral load is, you know, viruses shed, you know, like I said, in sometime a virus can shed and a person be asymptomatic for weeks or maybe a month. So speaking of the elderly, Miss Emma has a question for you. Well, no. <laughs> oh, no. That is <laughs> That was low. Yeah, that that, that was, was a low blow. Low. Um, here's an interesting Hello, Hello Tamar, darling. It's so nice to talk to you. Um, here's an interesting tidbit for you. I spoke to my brother in England this morning and my okay. And my mum, who is 91, and in, I mean in relatively good health, or is in good a health as a 91-year-old can be, has taken the steps. She is not leaving her apartment now until September. And okay. she's arranged for all her food mm-hmm. to be brought in. Um, the 
British uh, uh, Health Service has arranged for a physician to come in and check on her and all the other seniors on a regular-ish basis. But that's how it's going to be in England. And I originally had planned a trip next month to go and see them, which is obviously off now. But these are the steps they're taking in England that mom is now basically a, a prisoner in her little apartment for the next six months. So, hey, I got a question for you. Emma is due to fly in the next, is it month? April 1st. Do you recommend she fly to the UK? Fucking no! Here's the thing, anything can change in the next... Absolutely. Now, that's the thing uh, about this is the, the unknown factor. You know, this could die off in two weeks or what. Right. What I what I've said what I've said to all my friends as of today I am still going and legally I can still go and I'm I'm an American citizen so I am allowed to travel to the UK and I will get let back in but that's the information based on March the fifteenth my final decision I will make on the Friday. The last Friday before I leave, which I think is the 27th, which is four days before I travel. And if I'm still legally allowed to travel and British Airways are still providing the flight, I'm going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I'm going to go. Well, Tamar, I, I, I want to wrap this up, but I want to say the one thing I'm still holding out for, and I hope you are too, is AMA Vintage Days in July. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I still got a motorcycle ride planned at the... There you go. I would have to leave Detroit to there. I mean, but I'm still planning to plan on coming to Vintage Days. I might be able to find you someone selling a used dirt bike there. Hell, yeah. Do that shit. Yeah. Nice. So, um, I'm thinking there's enough mud and alcohol there. I don't think the virus could survive. (laughs) (laughs) well i want to i think i want to thank you for coming on and certainly <clears throat> keep me updated i know you've been sending me some um messages of what's going on <coughs> so yeah keep keep in touch and um maybe next week we'll get another report from you send you because I did talk with that doc he gave me mm-hmm. a commission like you can give people my name because it's well you know how it shows up on Facebook I don't mm-hmm. provide any special names and what I'll do is uh, put because you did two live talks and he's actually been on the news station at home to discuss the stuff and he's not using medical drugs he's asking answering questions from just regular people, you know, their concerns, like, uh, I have a baby, I have this, so mm-hmm. it'll be a good uh, site where people can listen to, and he'll, it'll probably be questions that some of your audience have, or some of you guys have. Yeah, if you want, you can post that on our Recycle page. Oh, I can? Yes. Okay, yeah, and, share it to there. And to all our listeners who, this is the first time I've they've heard of Tamar, and they don't know who she is. She's legit. So she's the, she's the real deal. ER doctor from Detroit. You are as real as it gets. Detroit, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I humble myself and I will ask someone to help out. 
thank you very much for calling in. <laughs> What's up? That was not. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Tamar. I will stay in Thanks, touch. Thanks, Tamar. All right. You guys be safe washing hands. <laughs> Will do. All right. All right. Thank you, Dan. Be safe. Right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Um, hey, you know what, right. Liza? <clears throat> what? I've got a roll of toilet paper. And I'm willing to exchange it. What do I want for my roll of toilet paper? Is a versus. If, if, anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's got a Bentley or um, a small house in suburbia, <laughs> I will give you my roll of toilet paper. Uh, well, it's quilted northern. We're gonna. Ooh. We got. We got another guest who I'm about to call now. A so toilet paper vendor. Actually, no. Th- and this is kind of interesting. I was talking to him earlier. So I mentioned, you know, we don't know the fate of a lot of these gatherings and right. events, right? Well, Daytona Bike Week started last weekend before all this really hit the fan. And it was going strong. It was going strong. Um, and because I was looking like on, I think on Friday they were doing like, you'd see in the news about the coleslaw wrestling, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, and then on Saturday, Wait, what? <laughs> on Saturday, the news yes. was mayor revokes all permits. For coleslaw wrestling. <laughs> Specifically coleslaw wrestling. Meaning, meaning they had all gone on just rallying and partying as if nothing was going on um but then on saturday the mayor pulled in permits canceled all concerts vendors everything told them all to go home mm. so we had a misfit uh in the field um there all week and he's gonna give us a report of what what it was actually like at daytona bike week or as they're calling it Corona Bike Week. So uh, let me give uh, Zach a quick call. He's a uh, he's he's real tired. He left just this afternoon. He was there till this afternoon. Our Zach? No, a different Zach. Damn. I mean, hi Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but he's our man in the field. Hello. Is it Zach? Yes, it is. Hey Zach, it's Liza. Hey, I've Hello. got Knock, Bagel, Emma, Isaac, and Jim here. Hey. Yay. Hello, darling. Mm-hmm. What's up, dude? So um, we've just got off the phone with Dr. Detroit, who has given us an update on the coronavirus and how it's going to affect us. And we also have been watching the news about everything being canceled, events being canceled. Now, you were at Daytona Bike Week as all of this was unfolding. So I want to know, like, what was it like there? Was it I mean, what was everyone like aware? Was it different? What was going on? And the vibe was super weird. Um, I don't think everybody was super aware at the beginning of the week, but by the end of the week, uh, the word started getting around that, you know, places were closing, uh, permits were being pulled for food vendors and bars and stuff like that. So it was definitely unlike any other bike we'd have been to. And then you usually get like, what, like 500,000 people there? Yeah, I mean, you know, give or take, but it's it's usually just inundated, just packed full of people and bikes everywhere you go. Um, and this year it was just easy to get around, you know, it was just, it was weird. 
Yeah, you use this as an as an example. So to get from like I think you said Main Street back to the campground, which is just kind of like wall to wall bikers on show, usually takes you how long? Um, I mean, it can take an hour, it can take an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like rush hour traffic, but all bikes, you know, and it's like a bike show, and everybody's looking around and having fun and. Uh, this year, it's just kind of like we were going from place to place, just in a, in normal traffic. It was it was just weird. It's like cars, um, you know. There'd be small little packs of bikers, you know, um, but it, it just was totally abnormal in the fact that it just wasn't, you know, a, a rolling bike show everywhere you go. Yeah. So, and was it was everyone talking about the virus, or were people there just like just going on, you know, with the party? Um. I mean, there was a little of both. I mean, we, we definitely, you know, my crew definitely ended up, like, continuing to party. <laughs> but, um, I think at the beginning of the week, like, people were more talking about it jokingly. You mm-hmm. know, like, oh, coronavirus, haha, whatever. And then by the end of the week, it was more of, oh, man, mm-hmm. you know, our, our booth is going to be shut down over here, or our restaurant or our bar is going to be shut down over here. Because, you know, we have a lot of friends that are locals down there, and they work. You know, they work the bars, they work the the restaurants around town. So, you know, it went from a joking mention of coronavirus to like people being concerned about losing money. You know, is really what boils down to, I think. And um, there was, uh, were there any reported cases at the at the the rally? Not that I know of. Um, you know, word gets around pretty fast around down there, believe it or not. You know, those Harley guys that gossip like a sewing <laughs> circle. Um, there was a guy, an older gentleman in in uh, St. Augustine, which is about 30 or 40 miles north of Daytona Beach. That was a confirmed case. He was 69 years old, and I guess he was staying over in St. Augustine the night before he was coming to Bike Week and got quarantined in San Augustine. So that's the Mm. one that Mm. everyone was talking about. It was on the local news down here. And uh, he never made it there. So, yikes. You know, whether or not, you know, 50 others of his kind made it there, that's, you know, another story, I guess. And were you there the the whole week? Um, I went down uh, last Saturday. Uh, for one night because a friend got a hotel room and then came home for a couple days and went back Thursday um, got there around 7 and stayed until today we left it around 3 or 4 I think I can't imagine what it was like I mean when the mayor says like you know pulling the permits everyone go home that's hundreds of thousands of people but according to you it's like yeah, people did. They left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was lower than normal already, but yeah, I, I feel like once that news started getting around that um, the permits were getting pulled, like people, were, not only people were leaving, but like the locals who ride around and the locals that weren't were like, we're staying home, you know, so. Dude, you may have been at the last bike rally for a, for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a reality, but. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird to think about like that. I think the thing you kept saying, too, is that it was just strange. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the Twilight Zone, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I, 
I hang out in Daytona. You know, I know some builders that live down there and stuff. So I, I end up down there, you know, every so often. Um, but, you know, Bike Week is supposed to be like this whole different experience, you know, like this whole massive party and, you know, it just wasn't that, you know. It was just it was just something totally different. So it was. It was just I think everybody kinda had that that feeling that it was just strange and abnormal, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Dude, well I'm sorry that, that got uh you know, that changed for you. Where where are you out of? Uh I live in Jacksonville. You're a Florida man? Yeah, I'm a Florida man. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Also, like a lot of hood areas, so <laughs> nice things going here, you know. <laughs> nice. Oh, um, I have a uh, let's see, I have a 1986 FXR Harley Davidson FXR. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, that's my current running bike. Um, I have a 2000 Dyna FXDS, which is you know the dual disc brakes. Uh, kind of like a hopped up touring model or whatever but that one's currently blown up and then i have a kz 1978 kz650 that's oh cool going project that's not quite ready yet so the reliable yeah. bike yeah like old city bikes that hardly ever work no but you are a, a bike builder you customize you 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 and your crew have some really good looking bikes yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm more of like a garage, you know, hobbyist, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. I do like working on my bikes. That's what I do for fun. But I definitely have some, you know, some friends and acquaintances that are like, you know, really super talented builders, fabricators, uh, mechanics. That you know, and th- those are the guys that were like, they showed up because they're like worked all year on their bikes, you know, to have them in shows at Bike Week, they were showing up <laughs> regardless of what happened. So, you know, it was cool to see them out there and, you know, support them. And, uh, you know. Nice. Well. You know, be in the scene. So. Well, um, you know, I want to thank you for calling in. I It was supposed to be, you know, we had arranged this so you could call in and talk about, all oh, like, the cool bikes and the cool stuff and the cool scene, and that's not at all what it is. But but it still worked because this is what we are all facing. This is what we're all dealing with, and we're all trying to grasp how things are changed. Um, but the one thing I think that, you know, everybody knows what we're being told is wear gloves, wear a mask, and keep safe distance from everyone. So that means your motorcycle gloves, your motorcycle helmet, and good riding formation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> motorcycle gloves and helmet, the first thing people think of when they come to Daytona. Like, no one there wears gear. I know. I know. It was like, you know, uh, instead of helmets, people wear those do rag things. Mm. Oh, God. On the back, but you've never seen so many grimy ass bikers, like, in line to wash their hands. Right? <laughs> 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 the most. People were washing their hands. My girl had a little thing of hand sanitizer, and she's like, jokingly, like, five bucks a squirt. We got five bucks a squirt right here, you know? No, I could get this squirt for five bucks too. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would. Hey. I think the most Florida thing I ever saw was a, uh, a, a um, body cam video 
of a police officer arresting his own captain or the chief of police for uh, for DUI with no helmet on a motorcycle. Nice. Yeah. In, in like in uh, or somewhere near Daytona. Yeah. I was gonna say that sounds a lot like something that would happen in Daytona. Yeah. <laughs> if, if only there was meth involved. Dude was hammered. <laughs> Dude was absolutely hammered. Nice. Well, I wanted to thank you for calling in and just, you know, sharing that. I mean, at least it did happen, but it sounds like people were being responsible and, and got the hell out of there. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Us, you know? <laughs> I know you stayed to the end. It turns out for the best. I mean, I, I really don't know what else to say. You know, it, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's in a weird state now, but it's, it's like... It feels kind of powerless, I guess. We don't really have a lot to fight this other than just like kind of staying home and washing our hands, I guess. And going for a ride. Well, going for a ride, yeah. thank you for reaching out and, and calling in, and, and thank you for being a listener. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I'm a yeah, sure. fan of all you guys. Oh, thank you, darling. I love you, Miss Emma. Oh, I love you too, darling. <laughs> You're my very favorite. Oh, will you, will you marry me, darling? Oh, no, you've got a girlfriend. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, but she's cute, though. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> nice. I want to get out there and see you guys uh, one of these days. Oh, you're welcome, you're welcome here any time, darling. Yeah, come on out. Cool. All right, thank you very much, Zach. Thank you. You guys have a good night. All right, you All right. Easy, ma'am. Bye. Too. Bye, Zach. Bye, darling. All right, you guys. Was that the socially responsible podcast? That's probably the most responsible one we've I, ever done. No, probably. I feel so. Um, That's uh, resembling. Some people are going to be so mad. They're going to like tune into their podcast on the way to work and be like, ah, oh, something that isn't the virus. And then we'll be like, we're talking about the virus. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What are you doing, you idiot? I love that. Read this. We got time just to do a couple of quick emails. All right. So, knock. What you got there? All right. This is uh, for our friend Ryan. My first dirt bike, dual sport. Okay. Misfits, greetings from Tennessee. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to do the accent. I gotta go. Hold on. <laughs> yes, you are. Wait, what's I don't know. What, how do people in Tennessee talk, man? Like, I can do that one. You're, you're close. Can you you're talk close. Tennessee talk? I can do, no, I got got you I can do Tennessee. No, he you got it. Tennessee. You got it right there. If you're going to try the accent, please don't let Nock do it. Just just talk like you're trying to sell a bucket of chicken. <laughs> oh my god, it actually holy shit, it actually says that. That's the second that's the second sentence. That's hilarious. Yes. All right. I'm sorry for what I'm about to do. Greetings from Tennessee. If you're going to try the accent, please don't let Knock do it. Nerd! <laughs> oh, sound like Billy Bob Thornton in Sling Blade. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm in my late 40s, but have only been riding a few years. My everyday bike is a Ducati Multistrada Pikes Peak, and I also have an MT-07. Yeah, it's a good bike. I've had the Multi in the dirt a few times. I'm looking to get more into that scene. I want a plated bike that's suitable for a relative dirt novice. All but, of a sudden, I'm but, hungry for fried chicken. But... <laughs> I think that's more than I deserve right now. But that will also get me comfortably to and from the trails and at decent speeds. Mm. Nothing crazy, just fire roads, mild single track. 
I think I've narrowed my choices to the CRF 250L or mm-hmm. CRF 450L. Yeah. I know Liza yep. and Jim both have 250s. I'd love mm-hmm. to know their thoughts. I like the ease of use and long maintenance intervals of the 250, but I like the on-road capability of the 450. If I'm riding upwards of 150 miles round trip to get to the trails, can the 250 do it comfortably? Would the maintenance intervals on the 450 cause me to eventually hate it? I'm also open to other suggestions, but I'm looking for a relatively light, true dual sport bike. I would go for the DRX, but fuck carburetors. Yeah. KTMs are rad too, but I think the maintenance would really kill me there. Give it the beans, Brian. So I think, yeah, so Jim and sorry. I are probably the most qualified for this. Um, Jim, so we both got the 250s, but I got that as a trail bike. I'm not really riding it around on the streets at all. Um I, I would say it would be too small, too underpowered for anything on asphalt. Well, I, I, I'll take it because of how big it is. Right? Yeah. I, I think if you use 200 pounds as a bench mark, if you're more than 200 pounds, um, you know, the bike's it's underpowered. Mm-hmm. Just say that. You know, I think it runs like 16, 17 horsepower or something like that. Oh, yeah. Bike. Um, but it's a great trail bike. And, it, you know, I've ridden on the, on the, on the PCH and stuff. It, it rides fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about doing 100, 150 miles, I was going to say a DRZ 400 S. Yeah, the plated DRZ 400 though. How yeah. hard? 450L I mean, probably a good bet, man. He might not want to get into this, but how but hard is it? Isn't it fairly easy to put a fuel injection system on a DRZ? No, no. Mm-hmm. So the, the 450 Never is a mind. great bike, but it's uh, like it's uh, like another four grand over the 250. Oh, it's really expensive. Uh, well, just hang on yeah. there. Just, you know that that 450. You need to read the maintenance schedule on it. Yeah, that's he, that's he, wild. He mentioned, he mentioned that. He, it is wild. He said he he asked if the 450 maintenance schedule would make him hate himself. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, every 10k inspection is for else? No, no. Wrong with that. 10k dismantle the top end of the engine. Oh, is it? I thought it was the more roadworthy kind of like no. relaxed build instead of the. So, no. so you ride mm. to the dirt park before you ride before you go dirt riding. You take your top end apart. Then you go dirt riding. There you and then go. You take your top. Oh, end wait apart, a minute! Wait a minute! Home. I've got it. I've got it. The Mike's bike. What's that? The uh, S- oh the yeah, SWM. The swim. Hmm. The SWM five hundred. Yeah. It is basically it's a revived Husqvarna under the name SWM. They, they we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They what about? What about- I'm not sure, but it's like an $8,000 500cc plated. It's a brilliant looking bike. Dual sport it's bike that is what really good looking. My recommendation: we rode down through the Padres National Forest, right? Me and uh, Justin Newport. Mm-hmm. We slapped it for a good hour and a half. Um, I was on the Africa Twin and other people have bigger bikes, but he was on his WR250, and uh, that bike could do 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, no problem. Mm-hmm. He's got a small guy. And then rip around the dirt all day and oversized tank on it. So, and I think you can find. And, and the thing about those, as opposed to the, the thing, here's the thing about the CRF 250 is it doesn't come great stock. Again, if you're a bigger person, mm-hmm. you have to drop a, you know 600 bucks into the suspension. Um, you know, then you have to throw a lot of other things on there. So I would be looking at getting like a used WR250 that's already got the stuff on it. Um, that is two or three years old. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say don't discount a KLR 650. I like riding that in the dirt, and I do like 
when we go to the dirt bike park. I yeah, I like it. It's a tractor. You could tour on it. Yeah. You can do. I thought it would be heavy and awkward in the dirt. It wasn't. It doesn't yeah. feel that. It looks like it will, but it's all that plastic. All plastic yeah. It's a very capable bike. So, Brian, if you want to grow a scraggly gray beard <laughs> and immediately become a crusty old man, you can get a KLR 650. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, Emma. Hello, darling. We got an email there. Oh, yes, I have one from Matt A. Hey, Matt. In Potland. Oregon. No, he actually, he's just in Oregon. He didn't say he's from Potland. Um, greetings from Oregon! Exclamation point. I've been a listener for some time. Open brackets. After Norman Reedus. Close brackets. And of last week, I've listened to every episode. Oh my God! Good Lord! Wow. He's clearly he's clearly a masochist. That's a feat. Some degree. Flagellating yourself. I was fortunate enough to meet Liza, Bagel, and Jim at last year's one show. Ah, oh, yes. Nice. However, we're coming to the main attraction. I met Miss Emma this year and was one of the proud recipients of some killer Evil Knievel socks. Oh, yes. Oh, and they're, socks, they're just Get them socks. E- epic socks. Um, he's currently down to just two motorcycles in his stable. Oh, poor baby. Um, as we moved last year and he's got limited space. Uh, my computer, my computer, my commuter is a 2018 Tiger 800XCX. Oh, that's a good bike. It's a great bike. I have had it for a year this month and just hit 10,000 miles. Oh, so you're racking up some miles on it. Most of this is commuting as I ride 70 miles round trip to the office and back. Um, I do all my own maintenance, preparing for a valve adjustment later this spring. Um, it's pretty time-consuming, Matt. Just follow it, A, B, C. Very, very easy. Just make sure you get your cam timing right when you put those cams back in. Because if you don't, oh, God, it's awful. Awful, darling. Um, that's enough about me. Exclamation. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um a big shout out to muddysump.com that he's looking to do an adventure training course this summer to get more confident off-road on the Tiger. Um, it's a big handful off-road, but you know, they're very capable bikes. Um, he's going to have a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. That's enough about me, exclamation point. I wanted to share a motorcycle porn pick that popped up on facebook marketplace if i had the room for this 1977 moto guzzi 850 t3 would be in my garage today so he sent the details of the listing and i get we can probably don't don't let isaac see it he's a sucker for buying i already saw it i got a little bit of wrecked (laughs) but i'm over it now i tell you what this is this is an interesting bike um, Wait, what is this again? It's an 850 T3. And I'll show, you, I'll show you a picture of this. We'll do the rounds. So what somebody's done is taken an 850 T3, and T in this case stands for touring. Um, it's kind of a standard bike, and somebody's put a fairing from an early Le Mans on it and sort of taken the fenders off and done a cafe race style. And it looks handsome enough, but I tell you what, it's just a good old standard bike. I think if you were to get rid of the fairing... I like the fairing. No, but it doesn't belong on this bike. Mm, fairings belong on all bikes. <laughs> it's, you know, it's got... Yeah. Just take any bike, add it's more fairings. Claim, sir. Let's, see, let's see the picture. I tell you what, it's a good bike, though. So, and... And it's $1,300. Oh, it's going to... Hey. Wow. Yay! That's the part, and, that's and the part with, that turned oh, me off. And it comes with a lift. What? No, yep. it doesn't. Yep. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Oh, shit. That's Amore. 
and and that I Spider-Man all over that one. And that is indeed in Potland. Mm. Yeah. I think you'd need to lose those red fork legs though. They're a bit odd. You know, so mm. I here's the reason I wouldn't want it though is because so I I got I have four running bikes right now out of four. Four out of four Woo. running. Um Nice. STs, the ST. I know that's all time high. Um, <laughs> the STs are running again. I've been riding one of them back and forth to school. And I fucking hate it. Oh, really? Now you experienced the steak. Now you get to go back to mac well, and cheese. Well, <laughs> no, here's the thing. I love that engine. It's yeah. a great engine. That suspension sucks yeah. so hard. Yeah, well, yeah. that can it's be. The yeah, worst. that can be bumpy. And welcome to where all the development on bikes has really come in the last yeah. 30 years. Oh, my God. By 1990, all the Japanese manufacturers knew how to make big horsepower. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you ride a sport bike. You ride a Jixa a, a slingshot yeah. from 89, 90. You've got all the power you could possibly want. The brakes are a bit core blimey, but the suspension Dog is shit. really core blimey. Yeah. You it's, know? Uh, it just it, it goes like wubba, wubba, wubba every time you hit a bump. And it just sucks. Sounds like they need servicing. Just, the suspension? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's from it's, 1991. Yeah, it's, but yeah. It, it's it's not even it's not the worth the money to replace the suspension. It's suffering from exactly the same fate as every other bike from that period. Mm-hmm. And as an owner of a bike of that period, the RF, they all need to shed a few pounds. I mean, they're all too bloody porky. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. No, my ass is a skinny girl. Well, and, and since, it's a big porker. <laughs> since uh, we didn't talk about like what we did today, I will say I do we have the, shit. the KTM <laughs> in the shop. I found a mechanic with a with a KTM reader um. who can try and help me figure out the speedo problem. Very cool. good. In fact, they said they have a guy who loves to work on KTM they electrical pipes. He's a master. Not, that That's, guy is probably a sociopath. That is not a real person. You're getting cabbaged. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the man doesn't exist. You're definitely getting. Did he? Did he? Is he like a Nigerian prince too? <laughs> so we shall see. But um, I do have one quick announcement. Thank you to all of our new Patreon subscribers and the people who upgraded to the five dollars. Don't forget, for all of our subscribers at the five dollars a month level, you're gonna get. A free T-shirt sent to you. That includes shipping, the T-shirt and shipping. $5 a month, sign up. Uh, it is being designed right now, so we're still working on it, but um, it's going to be awesome. And labor um, love, baby. A very, very brief announcement from me. After a few months' hiatus, I have had a new batch of Emma's Army stickers Ooh. made up. Ooh. These are very high-quality stickers. Um, I guarantee if you put them on your bike you'll go five miles an hour faster. And it is quite an exclusive club. I will give you a sticker for free just for being who you are, darling. (laughs) However... Wait, does that include me? That includes you, darling. (laughs) However... No, however, I can't afford the postage. Stickers are actually quite expensive. So, if you... If you would like an Emma's Army sticker and possibly a Motorcycles and Misfits sticker... Just send us a stamped addressed envelope, and I will send you some stickers back free of charge. So where did they send the envelope to? Liza's house. Yes, basically. Motorcycles, <laughs> motorcycles and misfits. Yeah, it's, the address is motorcycles and misfits on the internet. 
on the interwebs. (laughs) (laughs) Where can they send a stamped address envelope to later? Uh, You can send it to 342 Washington Street, Santa Cruz, California, 95060. There you go. And address it to Motorcycles and Misfits. Very good. And And all you need to do, you can um, include a letter, or if you just include a stamped address envelope, I will send you some stickers back by return. Lovely. There you go. So what do you guys think? Do you think people are going to show up at the garage next week? Difficult to say. I mean, next week, I never thought I'd, I'd say this. Next week is a million years away. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think in these in these times, with the way things are changing, um, I, I do think fortunately, motorcycling is something you can you know responsibly socially distance. You know, we can we right. Can ride, we can yep. The, just you've never been coughed on out somebody's window. Right. Well, just just keep your visor down if you got to sneeze. Well, and I'm thinking with the so new safety um, precautions that I put in place. Did you see the yes, announcement? Yes, no today? licking tools. No. Yeah, so first of all, no more <laughs> licking tools, uh, wrenches, or any hand tools. That's no more. Can I um, lick my tool? Damn. <laughs> also, everyone is required to wear pants. <laughs> That's a travesty. Jim, That's a Jim, war crime. You. I'm not even wearing pants right now. No. <laughs> well, and I think the biggest disappointment is uh, I'm putting a moratorium on uh, my lap dances for now. Nasty Getting or giving? Just nas- No nas- more lap dances. Mm, but yeah. you'll still receive it's lap dances. It's a sadder world. Yes. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's social isolation. Um, and you did you did put a PS on it as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't make it official, but I wanted to uh, add that... Um, Full disclosure: There will still be wet, smoochy kisses from Miss Emma because we no matter I'm how hard we try, we cannot retrain her. <laughs> I'm so like a, next I'm, week. We're just I'm going like a, a feral kitten. Next week, we're just going a full latex <laughs> so body. So just it's be warned. Yeah, she can't help it. <sighs> right now. So, um, you guys, uh, everything's changing, but one thing I know that we have is we have this community. Absolutely. Um, and we are still going to be doing the show. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to work tomorrow will listen, but hopefully people will listen to the show. I got learn bikes something. to fix. I'm going to work tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to work tomorrow. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> oh, cool, blimey. Oh, no. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening and for sticking with us. And, you know, um, hang in it. Hang in there. Hang in there there and go for a ride. Just remember, riding is good for mental health. It is good for mental health. And you're you're basically like a giant condom when you're wearing all the gear. This is another reason (laughs) wear all the gear all the time. That's gas. Yeah. Don't touch nobody. (laughs) Be safe. I touched you. I touched you. Don't touch me, man. I touched you. Thank you, everyone. This is Liza. Nah. This is not. (laughs) Emma Darling. Isaac. And we're out of here. Give it the beans! Cool, cool. (laughs)